Hey guys, just wanted to say before we get into this episode that we are reviewing Star Wars The Last Jedi on this podcast. It is a spoiler-free review. We do our best to avoid any major plot spoilers. There are a few moments here and there where I thought that Matt maybe said a little bit too much, so I added this sound effect to cover up the potential spoiler. So when you hear that, it means I cut something out. No worries, everything else should be fine. This should be perfectly safe for you if you don't want to get anything spoiled for you. Alright, thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the 24th episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots. This week, we are talking about Star Wars. That's right, Last Jedi is out this weekend. We are talking about the movie. We are talking about Darth Vader issue 9 that came out last week. We might talk about some other Star Wars comics. And then we're also talking about Doctor Strange issue 382 from Marvel. I'm your host, Anthony Composto. I'm also the editor of the comic book section on Monkeys Fighting Robots. Joining me in the conversation is my co-host, co-founder of monkeysfightingrobots.com, Matt Sarda. Anthony, I'm bringing in the serious today. Like, we're going to talk about some serious shit, but if you like the show, subscribe on Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, and we love your feedback. Feedback's very welcome. Please comment or tweet us. Let us know how we are doing and what books we should be reading, because we have an all-Marvel week this week. So Rare. It's a rarity. Yeah, we hardly ever do that. But definitely let us know what you're reading so we can read some good shit. And I go to Uncarry Heroes every other week in Tampa, and they sponsor the comic show. I've been there now. You have been there. What'd you, what'd you get yesterday? Did you get anything? Yeah, I, got, I, I stocked up on some bags and boards. I need some bags and boards real desperately. I walked around. They got a lot of awesome, a lot of toys, a lot of cool toys. I'm a fan of toys myself, a lot of old vintage toys, and uh, awesome selection of like omnibuses and trades and stuff like that. Really cool shop. Yeah, and I know that they uh, just got a whole bunch of back issues in because they have a, a Lakeland store as well, uh, and they're always wheeling and dealing. So Ivan over in Tampa always gets some good stuff. And I, yeah, I, saw... I was I was I was digging through the long boxes trying to fill in some gaps. And always trades at Uncanny Heroes are twenty five percent off. Uncanny Heroes is located at one two nine zero four North Fifty Sixth Street in Temple Terrace. Check them out on the web at uncannyheroes.com and like them on Facebook at Uncanny Heroes Tampa. Support your local comic book store, people. Hell yeah. Matt, Star Wars season is upon us. Officially, you and I, we've seen The Last Jedi. We have seen The Last Jedi, my friend. And we <laughs> are going to talk about... Do you want to talk about Vader or do you want to talk about Doctor Strange first? You know what, let's, let's call an audible. Let's talk about Doctor Strange first, get that out of the way, because I'm sure Vader will just naturally bleed into Last Jedi. Yes, and it's your boy, Donny Cates. It's it's all my people, man. It's Donny Cates, it's Gabriel Hernandez-Walta on pencils and inks, it's Jordi Belair on colors. It's all my favorite people. Because you know, you know this is the art team from uh, from a little book called The Vision, right? Oh, The Vision. The Vision. Have you the... read, have you finished that yet? No, I have not read The Vision. I have it sitting on my shelf. You highbrow comic books. I only bring my <laughs> highbrow when it comes to the Star Wars: The Last Jedi. <laughs> I'm very. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, true. I mean, this isn't highbrow. The art definitely adds a sort of weight and gravitas to it. I like, you know, Walta's, you know, style of, you know, 
kind of a grittier style. You know, you see the bags under characters' eyes, and Belair's colors on this book definitely make it seem more serious. But Kate's just loves doing like his over-the-top kind of balls-to-the-wall storytelling, like we saw in Thanos a couple of weeks ago. And this is this is the second issue of his Doctor Strange run. So if you're not caught up, go back at 381 and then 382. Read them back to back. New status quo: Loki is the new Sorcerer Supreme, and Doctor Strange is uh he's playing Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, yeah. This is probably the first Doctor Strange book I've ever read in my whole entire life. Ever. Ever. I think it's the first time I've ever read a, a Doctor Strange book. Really? Well, he didn't. He hasn't had like many. Like he had a lot back in the day. Like you know, you know, Steve well, Ditko. Well, and he's had three hundred and eighty-two. Because it's on the top of it right there. It is. Yeah, that's the legacy numbering of it. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying, but there was a long gap, there's a long period of time where he didn't have his own solo title before Jason Aaron came back with it. And kind of made him like this more badass, like axe-wielding, swashbuckling almost kind of Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those characters. I mean, I, we talked about it when the movie came out. Um, like, I... I know who Doctor Strange is. I know what he does, but there's still something like where you just still don't get him. You know, it's like I know he can keep his Sorcerer Supreme. What does that actually mean? Like, where is he ranking power? Like, what you know? He's a he was through. He was in the Illuminati during all the Civil War stuff and all that fun stuff. And and I know that like Brother Voodoo came in and became the Sorcerer Supreme for a little bit. But he's like one of those characters that's always been like an enigma for me. And I think the general fans like aren't like, oh, Doctor Strange, we always want him on our team, but we're really not sure like what he does kind of thing. No, yeah, he and he is like one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel universe. And it's it that's that's the fun of writing a character that involves magic. And again, everything's going to go back to Star Wars on this episode, but it's it's like the Force too, where like it's kind of so general and vague that you can you can play with it in a million different ways and every writer could have a different spin on it. Like Jason Aaron put a whole new spin on Doctor Strange and, you know, the quote-unquote cost of magic and stuff like that. So, it's such a such a vague concept that you can you can go in any direction you want. And you can and you can always add stuff and try new avenues and stuff like that. And that's what I was trying to figure out and you just mentioned that like because uh, I think Velma brought up, like, how are you paying? Velma. Velma. But she was Velma to me. I mean, it's we're just, that's how I'm doing it. She's from Scooby-Doo. She's well, in Scooby-Doo. I mean, like, the mystery machine's going to show up. But uh, what, is, what is that cost of magic? Like, they have to pay for it? How do they pay for it? Yeah, so it, it, it is what it sounds like. It's a cost of magic. In order to perform some big spells, it takes a toll on their bodies. And, you know, Doctor Strange would get sick a lot. And there was a lot of, you know, examples of his early days where he would get sick. And he ended up having to kind of manifest all of that sickness and that whole cost on his body. It was he manifested it into another being that became one of his uh, enemies in the Jason Aaron run. But it's basically the bigger spells that you cast, the more of a toll it takes on your body. And again, it get you sick. You can die. It, you know, it, it's uh, it's a whole thing like that. And what Cates does well in this is, since I've never read a Doctor Strange book before, and I'm jumping in on part two, he has a way of, like, attaching you to characters and making you feel for them really quickly. And and then it has kind of a gut-wrenching ending in there, and now I'm angry. Yeah, can we... Spoiler alert, we're talking spoilers on this, because there are two different endings that I think we're talking about here. The gut-wrenching one for me was 
spoiler alert one more time bats the dog the death of bats the dog which yeah. broke me a little bit inside and then there's obviously the the cliffhanger with the century yeah i mean i'm angry in two different ways with uh with both of those you know i'm angry and sad with the with the death of bats cuz i was like shit i was like this is an awesome character yeah. And well, you're always you're always sad when they kill a dog. Whenever they kill a dog in a movie or TV show, you're sad. And then they added it by giving the dog actual personality in this book. Right, and he had a solid personality, and that's what that's that's a you know that's a, an attaboy for Kate's for bringing that out in 22 pages. And then I'm like angry, mad that they're bringing the century back because I can't stand that character because it's Bendis's super Superman that rewrote continuity from the beginning of time and I'm just like go fuck yourself yeah Sentry's kind of annoying he's not a character that I ever really attached myself to he's very much like he, he, he feels very forced upon us like Marvel really wants to shove Sentry down our throats and be like he's amazing you will like this Sentry and like you said it's Bendis doing Bendis and stuff like that so but Again, I I trust in Cates, and again, he he goes so balls to the wall that I kind of do want to see him playing with the most powerful being in the Marvel Universe right now. I want to see what he can do with that. Like, I love the concept of the Sentry, where, like, he's kind of this broken, emotional character, where he split personality almost, to say. Uh, what I don't like is that, you know, they rewrote continuity that where he's been there since the beginning of time, and has fought along Fantastic Four in the 60s and other stuff. So, like, the concept of the character is cool. The execution, this is going to be my, like, conversation piece for a long time. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, I didn't really think that was necessary. But, again, that kind of just that goes to Marvel's continuity issues that we could have a whole other podcast. We could have a whole other podcast, like a show. Like, every week we could talk about different Marvel continuity issues. I like the book, though. I like the book, and it's not my it's not my typical like cup of tea. Like I'm not a huge fan of the artwork, but it works. Like I'm not a huge fan of the characters, but I like them. I mean, like it's so anti Matt Sardo comic book, yet I really enjoyed it. That's good though. It's good that it's unexpected. Sometimes the most unexpected things are the most pleasurable. And it's funny, right? Like, have the, did you not laugh at this book when you see the dog walking down the street with the leash and Doctor Strange is invisible? Or, or in the beginning when he walks into the, the vet's office and he's like, oh, this this is my bad. This is on me, people. Sorry, and he like, slowly know. backs out. I know. And I, I, I love it. I, said, I love Doctor – I love Jason Aaron's run on Doctor Strange. I thought it was great. And then when Aaron's run ended, there were a few issues by Dennis Hopeless, I believe, that I wasn't too crazy about. It was when Secret Empire was going on. There was some crossover stuff. But but Kate's coming on and kind of restructuring things and doing his own thing, starting a whole new story with Loki in charge. I think it's awesome. I, I can't wait to see what's going on. I, I feel like there's something, there's got to be something wrong with Loki, right? There's, he, he, he wormed his way into this position somehow. Like there's some kind of secret going on. Yeah, I'm wondering how how long this is going to go for, you know, because we know that Loki can't be the Sorcerer Supreme forever. And you know that Dr. Strange is eventually going to become the, go back to the Sorcerer Supreme or they might kind of destroy things. I mean, they're talking about like a nuclear bomb option, magic option. I'm almost positive. They're going to set that shit off. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's almost a yeah. guarantee that they're like, they're going to drop a nuke on the magic universe and just see what happens. Because, I mean, it's not a, it's not the most popular universe. And I don't mean this as a negative thing, but when you have things like this that aren't like, you know, have a billion fans where they're like hanging on every word that you say, you can play with the universe a little bit more to try to attract new readers. You can mess with the status quo. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's kind of the the awesome thing about smaller niche characters. And even though Doctor Strange is getting bigger and you know, he's got the movie coming out now and he's gaining a larger fan base, now is the time to kind of capture those people with awesome storytelling and kind of play with things in new ways. Loki's in this book. You know, Ragnarok just came out. So they're really, in this one book, they're really capitalizing on the, the MCU success in a big way. There's a lot of moving parts in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the comic book universe right now. Everything's in like flux and moving around and, you know, you got Avengers Infinity War there. So who knows what's going to happen with that? And then you got new um, editorial control going on at Marvel comic wise. Uh, I think this is uh, this is a, a great book to kind of like hop in on because this could be like a driving force in the Marvel Universe. And, and I'm excited to see what what Kate's is going to do since he is one of the top guys now at Marvel. Rightfully so. And he's got some more projects that are going to be coming out next year. He hasn't disclosed any of that. He just said that he's been talking to people at Marvel and he knows what he's working on. None of it's been publicly announced. But yeah, he's almost almost like how Jason Aaron was kind of at the nexus of the Marvel Universe and was kind of weaving things all together. It's interesting that Cates is stepping into a lot of Aaron's old stories like Doctor Strange and even using, you know, Loki and, you know, Aaron has had so much influence on Thor over the last few years. Thanos, you know, Jason Aaron wasn't writing Thanos, but Cates is writing in a very Jason Aaron-esque way. So it's interesting to see, you know, if Cates is kind of moving into a position where he's going to have as much an influence on the overall universe as Aaron has been. Yes, big questions. Big questions ahead. Uh, what did you rate this book? 4.5. 4.5. Wow. Um... I'm I'm at a four. I'm a solid four. It's a solid four, man. I'm the just I'm, I'm I enjoyed it and everything like that. Um, and there was a lot of emotion involved in it, but at four, four, four that's is a your, good. That's your that yeah. That's your safe space. It's a safe space. It's a safe space. All right, let's move on to Darth Vader. Catch me up with Darth Vader, my friend. So this is Darth Vader issue nine, written by Charles Soule, art by Giuseppe Comancoli, with inks by Daniel Orlandini and colors by David Curiel. So Charles Soule's Vader run, issue one, picks up at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So it's kind of like the Darth Vader year one, more or less. His first story arc is about him crafting his lightsaber, you know, going out, hunting a Jedi, getting a kyber crystal and putting together his own lightsaber. And now we're kind of moving forward. Him and Darth Sidious are trying to wipe out whatever remaining Jedi are in the galaxy. And, you know, now the, the Inquisitors are in the mix from Star Wars Rebels, the TV show, if you're familiar. And... He's uh, we're in the middle of a storyline right now where he is hunting down an old Jedi archivist, Jocasta New, who has kind of returned to the temple to try and, you know, get some old uh, some old texts and information. That way she can restart the Jedi order, basically. This is an interesting book. Uh, I mean, I'm I don't watch Rebels, so I'm not really familiar with the Inquisitors. I like are those those are fallen Jedis that have become like the in between. They're not Sith, but they're not Jedi. Right. Yeah. And so that was interesting. Um, I like the the librarian. She was an interesting character. Um, yeah, she's pretty badass for an old lady. Yeah, and I love um, 
I love the concept of that temple and like having all those random artifacts in there and like what the possibilities are with that. You know, like the last page was pretty impressive um, of what she kind of pulled together at the end. Uh, yeah, that's what I love that about the Star Wars comics is that it kind of fills in all these gaps and explores things in a new way. Like there's so many little itty bitty pieces of canon and things that explain different things in the Star Wars universe that you only get through with the comics and the novels. And it, like like in this one, she she wipes out the Jedi archives to keep them from falling in the wrong hands. Right. And there we go. Now we kind of know why we don't have any of that when it comes to, you know, later down the road when Luke is around hunting for stuff. Yeah, no, it's um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, and like the art had kind of like an anime feel where like things were kind of like flying side to side. It's it's always interesting to see how people can visualize or, or put down in a static image like force powers. You know, I mean, it's. Those aren't really easy things to grasp. I mean, we saw it with the Last Jedi yesterday of like, like four, you know, two people doing the force pull and stuff like that. Like we we understand it in our heads, but when you actually try to pull off the concept visually, it's sort of tough to do. Yeah, it, it really is. And I'm a fan of Kamakoli's art in general. I think he does an awesome job on this book. I love the Vader books artwork in general because it actually looks like a comic book. You know, a big problem that I have with some of the other Star Wars comics out there is they use way too much photorealism. Like, I really enjoy the main Star Wars comic, and especially in the beginning, you know, Jason Aaron was doing it with John Cassidy. The art was great and stuff, but somewhere along the line, they started using way too much photorealism where every time you see Luke now or Han or Leia, it's almost like a picture of the actor. It's re- And it really takes you out of it. Like, it's really disruptive. And it, that's and it's not the only book that does it. Other Star Wars books use the same technique. But the Vader book actually looks and feels like a comic book, which it should. Keeps you in the mo- it keeps you in the moment instead of taking you out of it. Yeah, it felt very anime to me, and that's that's a good thing. <sighs> Is it going to make me read another issue though? I don't know. I don't know. I need, I need, you, I, you don't want to see what happens with the old lady and the giant lightsaber gun. I know what's going to happen to her. She's going to die. I mean, it's like it's the prequels. I mean, like, yeah, that's that's the only bad thing about like a comic like this is you know that Vader's not in any real danger at any point. Right, he's, yeah, I mean, like, it's, you can see, like, hopefully you can get, like, the evolution of him and stuff like that, but, like, I mean, you know from the prequels that, like, he's totally been shredded to begin with, so even if you slice and dice Vader and leave him for dead, you know, he's already, that's already happened to him once before, so you can't, like, you can't make Vader even scarier because they already went as dark no, as yet, they could no, with him. You, you absolutely freaking can, my friend. You should go back and read the first No, but I'm this. saying, like, physically. Like, you can't do any more physical damage to him. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. Is In the first arc of this book, when he tracks down a Jedi to, to get his kyber crystal, there's a battle, and the Jedi basically beats him. He's He tears off Vader's, like, limbs, his metal limbs, and, like, throws him off, like, a waterfall, basically. And it was shocking because I'm like, how you can't beat Vader. Like he's in the movies, like how you can't beat Vader and the way that he Vader uses like whatever metals and items around him. And like basically uses the power of the force to make himself new limbs in the spur of the moment to, to beat this guy. It was awesome. It was like, it's just an awesome moment in, in the Vader comic. And like everything that you just said that they can't do it did. Okay. I mean, then you're just going to stop talking. I was well. You said okay. I was waiting for like I was waiting for the good for you. No, no, no. It was a solid comment. I mean, I no, it, it was no. It 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 really did add to 
it added to the menace of Vader, which is what this book is supposed to do. Since this book can't really surprise you with anything that's going to happen to Vader, you know he's going to beat the Jedi because he's in the movies later and they're not. Like, But what it can do is it can add to Vader. It can make him a more menacing character because, honestly, if you look at Vader as a whole, the whole scary, menacing thing doesn't really come from the movies because you look at those older movies, and especially like A New Hope, Vader was like, you know, a lumbering kind of like, he wasn't some epic swordsman in those old movies. That's just what the nature of those movies was. It's nothing against Vader or George Lucas or anything like that. But these comics and the TV shows and stuff like that have the ability to make him that menacing character, like Rogue One did at the end. Yeah, no, Vader, I I think the only thing that can be surprising is if if they, in the comic books, like Obi-Wan and Vader fight one more time to give you like another, you know, some sort of original fight that you can't see or that we didn't see. Like that would be surprising. Yeah, people have speculated about that in not just in the comics, but in, you know, in Rebels, they've speculated it's going to happen. But they can't do that, though, because when they meet in A New Hope, you know, he hasn't I haven't felt this presence and blah, blah, and like they just it's very heavily implied, although not explicitly stated that they haven't seen each other since Mustafar. Right. But I still feel like they could pull it off. And right now I have no problem with them doing that. <laughs> is that is that the is that the Obi Wan movie? He goes after Vader one more time. No, I don't think I don't think it's gonna be Vader. That I I I don't know if they're gonna do that in the Obi Wan movie, but that would be cool if it's like he fights off Vader one more time. Because he has Tatooine. to go after him. Like Vader can't come to Tatooine, otherwise he would know where Luke is and it would jeopardize everything. So there's got to be some sort of. There's got to be one story. Where Obi Wan defends Tatooine, and so that Luke keeps going. Like over the over the twenty years or thirty years or whatever the time that's passed between the time of the the last prequel and a New Hope, Obi Wan had to defend that place from somebody. Not knowing, you know, those people not knowing that Luke was there, but at least like. He had to make like take a stand at some point in time. You mean from like an outside force? Because Jason Aaron did explore that in his Star Wars comic a little bit, but it was more against it's more Obi Wan against like local gangsters and stuff like that. Yeah. But he's saying like there's like an outside force that comes to wipe out like Luke or something. Something. Something's gotta yeah, something's gotta go on. Or somebody finds out about it and I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Um I mean it's 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 very interesting going from Doctor Strange to this book, artwork wise. Um I that was that was a good good spectrum of comic book isms going on there um, because one like felt like a cartoonish not cartoonish in a bad way but like very professional very clean very you know refined and then the other ones like grittier and and more down to earth and with Doctor Strange compared to Darth Vader um, and even the colors of that you know it just it was it was a nice spectrum of comic books. Yeah, I wonder. I, I'm trying. To, like, I wonder if they could even pull that off. Like, I don't know if if they'd be willing. I don't know if I can say they they wouldn't be willing to kind of explore like that kind of grittier, you know, Gabriel Walter Jordi Belair style from Doctor Strange in a Star Wars book. You could. I mean, if you're on like Tatooine or something like that, there's definitely a time and place for it in the Star Wars yeah, universe. Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to think. I, 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 if it wouldn't work in a Vader book. No. Although, you know, Kieran, Kieran Gillen's Vader, the previous volume of Vader, did did have – it was a grittier story and stuff like that. This is more of like a, a, a bigger, brighter, 
adventure story, but I don't know. What uh, so this is your first introduction to it. You seem to like it. What uh, what's your score? Um, I mean it's at three point seven five. I try not to put too much thought in these kind of things. But like that's that's kind of where I am. Like, did it wow me like super much? You know, super super much. I don't even know what that word is. Um, you know, to give it like a four plus. No, it didn't. But I did enjoy it. Three point seven five. That's cool. I'm gonna give it a three point nine. There you go. Yeah. I liked it. I've, I've been liking this Vader run as a whole. I don't think this has been the best issue of the run, but I do like that it came in in like a part three, and I was able to just enjoy the story. And sometimes you get bogged down in continuity, and that didn't really happen. I was like, "Oh, there's a battle. We're fighting," and I just I missed that because that's what I used to do as a kid. Is I used to just pick up ra- issues randomly and just read them, and just like, okay, I don't know what happened before. I guess I could try to find what happened afterwards if a comp comes out or if it's a back issue, but. I, I did like this just jumping in the middle of stories this week. Yeah, I mean, it's a good test of a comic book. We've had this conversation before is if, if you can just pick it up and follow along, which is kind of what you're designed. It's kind of what you're supposed to do, you know, as a writer and, you know, as a comic book creator, you're supposed to create stories that anyone can really jump in on at any time, unless, you know, it's a, a miniseries or something like that, like Mr. Miracle. But something like this, where it's a Doctor Strange or Darth Vader, an ongoing comic book, you should be able to pick up any comic and uh, follow along. So I'm glad to hear you say that. And let's finish off strong with this. Uh, there's a little movie that came out this week, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and we saw it on Monday, and now we're allowed to talk about it. We don't really talk about movies that often, but when there's big events like this, we will. Uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. And you could read our full reviews also on monkeysfightingrobots.com. We both have written reviews up there from very two different points of view. We do have reviews up there on the website, and uh, they are from two different points of view. Extreme two different points of view. <laughs> I, I guess I'll start it off. I mean, like, it's this one, there was high hopes for this, and it's it's two hours and 32 minutes, and it probably should have been two hours. And... Um, you know, when you have that much extra footage out there, it just opens you up for the weaknesses of character and plotline, and that's what those extra 30 minutes did for me. No, it did feel kind of long. It definitely did. There was definitely a lot of stuff in the second act that could have been cut out or trimmed. We both, I think, are in agreement that the whole plotline with Finn and Rose could have been reworked and trimmed up, and, uh, and the visuals could have been a little bit better on that, but... I still really enjoy the movie as a whole. I can't wait to see it a second time. It's definitely a movie that warrants multiple viewings, especially now that I know what the hell's going on. Yes, there's but, a lot there's a lot of fine details in this film to where you need to see it multiple times and see how everything lines up. Um, yeah, but I am saying that this I've and I've been saying this like since I since I saw it, like it is the it is probably the boldest, most shocking Star Wars movie since Empire. Like this movie takes chances that we haven't seen in a Star Wars movie in a long time and it goes in directions that I don't think anyone was expecting uh, I, I think yeah I, I think you give it too much credit i mean it was definitely bold and i mean i don't know how, i mean i could give examples i don't know how 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 crazy we want to get with i don't, I don't think we, i don't think we want to give i don't think we want to give spoils away because we want people no, to actually listen no, to our I just, podcast I think people but will I'm, know though you know but like i was trying to figure out where the line of bold is and then where the line of being disrespectful to the previous writer of the film is like I don't think I, I don't think Ryan Johnson 
deliberately wanted to be disrespectful of what J.J. Abrams put together. Um, but I'm still like, I don't know. You know, the way characters moved and, and developed through The Last Jedi, I'm just like, did you not see The Force Awakens? Well, like who? You don't give me specific examples of why, but who? Well, that... M- well, Finn... Well, we talked about Finn's character. Like, I talked about Finn's character. I definitely think he regresses in this film. Um, no, for, he basically has the same exact arc for, that he had. For no movie. apparent reason at all. Um, and then, I mean... No! Yeah. And, you know, and we don't have to... Let's we're, we won't go into any more detail than that, but I agree. I I, I agree that there was a, a a problem. I really liked what they did there. I thought it was awesome. Um, but I did I I see what you say in terms of it disrespected. You know what came before. Yeah, I, I, and that's where I'm just trying to juggle myself. Like this is a movie where like I jumped out of my seat and squealed like three or four times, like Yay, Star Wars! And then like. The film ended. There's certain points in the film where, like, I shook my fist at the air and like yelled at the gods. Where I'm like so frustrated at what happened. And filmmaking wise, if you filmmaking wise, this film is not very good. Like, like it. Well, story tell storytelling wise, filmmaking wise, like visuals look pretty decent. Um, you know, they they do some stuff that just like oddball visually, but like. Visuals look good. Um, everything's kind of put in together, but storytelling-wise, characters get introduced abruptly and then they leave abruptly and then they come back and you're like, "Wait a second, what happened there?" Like, it's did I miss something? Um, and then they just do because it's so long. You got to fill up that two hours and thirty-two minutes, and you're like, "Oh, did I really need to see Luke Skywalker milk a space cow?" No, I don't. Like, it wasn't. Like, it wasn't. It, number one, it wasn't funny. Number two, it, like, added nothing to the plot. So there's just, like, some, like, it just needed editorial control to slice it down. Be- yes. I mean, that bit that you're talking about, that was a that was a hot second. Like, that didn't that didn't take anything away from me. That was just, you know, establishing and setting up where he is right now. And I, guess I, didn't, I honestly didn't have any problems with the stuff that was going on with Luke and Ray. It was mostly Finn's story that I thought could get. Could have gotten cut up a little bit more, and even some of the stuff, you know, with, with Poe and the rest of the Resistance. No, because there's certain point. There's there's things, there's things about this film that that they do in this film, and then you get to a point, and you're like, wait a second, that had no point whatsoever on the film. Like the whole Finn story arc did nothing to move the storyline forward. Like it just it didn't even need to be in there to begin with. Like you could have done. Without it, like you could have just had the battle between, and I'm blanking on her name, but like Laura Dern's character and Poe Dameron could have had that, like, you know, um, that emotional debate between those two characters and never even had the Finn Rose storyline. And the movie still moves forward. Um, what else? There's the, um, there's the, the crappy speeder bike things that those guys are driving. I don't, on the, on the, on the final planet. On the final planet. On crate? Yeah, on crate. Like, whatever those little crappy vehicles that they're in, that whole entire storyline of those vehicles had no bearing on the story itself. Like, they didn't even need to be in it. And all, you know, and because and, nothing happened. Like, if you think about it, what did those things do? Did they shoot anything? Did they blow up anything? No. They just kind of 
looked really cute or looked really good, visually good, but they don't serve any purpose whatsoever in the film. Do it. Do it. You know you want to do it. You know you want to say it. Come to the dark side. Okay, good for you. (laughs) Um, I I, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. With that particular example, I disagree. Like, I think they did. Obviously, it was you know meant to be a cool, visually appealing scene and stuff like that. But I don't see it as completely pointless. They they were out there serving a purpose. Um, what, what did they do? They didn't like. They didn't do what they were trying to do. But they were trying to you know put up a fight and buy some time and stuff. Right, but they didn't do anything. <laughs> like they didn't there was like they they were just there to get picked off like it was just like i was like why are they what are they doing like why are they and this is just me analyzing it afterwards like during it i was like oh it's a fight they're gonna battle and i was like wait a second those things didn't even like battle and then like no! now we're, see, now we're getting into like more details that i didn't right but, I was, but that's what i was just like i was like where did she go and then she comes back. Or where did she come from? Like, that's where I'm like, characters come in abruptly and, and, and they leave abruptly. And it's just it's just disjointed where, like, you're like, well, what happened there? Like, how did that happen? I don't know. Uh, there was definitely some some editing that could have been done. You know, some things that could have been cut out and stuff. It could have been a tighter, more cohesive story. And I even I do say that in my review. But I still... I, I love that they were swinging for the fences with it. I love the chances they took. I love the the whole direction that the story is going in now. It was completely unexpected. I, I just, with Star Wars, there's always so much anticipation, so many expectations, so many prediction pieces and stuff like that where people are like, oh, this is what's going to happen. And it really felt like Ryan Johnson and Lucasfilm took all of that in consist- into consideration. Like, this is what people are expecting. And then just, like, threw it out the window and did their best to, like, make, like, this awesome dark thoughtful you know exhilarating kind of just bold star wars movie and i felt original like everything that everyone complained about the force awakens being like way too familiar and playing it safe and stuff like that it, i felt like it was out the window for this movie i was talking to one of my friends who's a big star wars nerd as well who saw the movie yesterday and i don't want to take his word so i'm gonna say elliot serrano like a uh, geek to me in chicago he said he has no motivation to watch a third the next part of the trilogy and i'm kind of in the same camp i'm not ex- i'm i have you said a very similar thing yesterday to me after we saw it, you said a very similar thing yeah i mean i'm not like i saw this movie and i'm like okay i feel complete like i'm not i don't have excitement for a third film i want to say like is that a bad thing but i know you're going to say like yeah because it's a trilogy and you need to be excited for the third movie and stuff like that but i i like that ryan johnson had a vision and that he, it didn't feel like, okay, he has to now bleed into the next movie because it's a franchise and Disney's making him do that. Like, I feel like I like that he, as a creator, had the ability to tell his own story. And there's room for another movie. Like, it's not like it's not like a perfectly closed off story where, like, this is the end. Like, there's definitely a direction they can go with this. And I, there's plenty of ways that episode nine is going to go. But I like that he kind of had the ability to have his own vision in there and you can pop this movie in. And yeah, it, it, five years down the road, if you're looking to put in a star Wars movie, you can put this movie in without having watched force awakens and without having to watch episode nine and you can enjoy it. No, you still need to watch force awakens for this film. 
I mean, you need to have knowledge of Force Awakens. I'm saying like you don't have to like sit down and marathon them. Right. No, I, in my review, I say there's a masterpiece in there. But I also say that he got lost in the fields of CGI toys. For like one sequence. No, no. Because I mean, like it's for multiple sequences. I mean, like. When you have all those star destroyers you can play with, or the at ads, or the giant other destroyers, and another Death Star reference, you sons of bitches. Uh, <laughs> you know, these are all the toys, you know, I mean, like all the visual toys you can play with. And I mean, yeah. it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. I mean, I would. I mean, I, the space would, battles were awesome. Especially that opening space battle I thought was awesome. I'll, I'll give you like half a point of credit for the land battle on crate at the end like yeah they could have done it more and they could have used like those new ad at walkers a little bit cooler and stuff like that like i didn't have a problem with it when i was watching it but i could see how it could have been better but i mean i i thought that like he played with the sandbox yeah i thought he had, yeah, he had a lot of fun it seemed he clearly loves this franchise no it's and that's why i said it. it's a kid playing with toys i mean it's fine it's it's a uh, i don't it's any star wars fan would do this but i mean like Ryan Johnson has done some epic shit with films and he tried to do some epic shit here and he also wrote the epic shit but like it's one of those things where you have so much creative control I talk about it like I talk about it as like a GM or a coach GM coach like if you're the coach and the GM like you there's no place for you to step away and see what you're doing and apparently nobody stepped in and was like hey you need to step back on it i'm sure they were i mean this is lucasfilm we're talking about and we we've seen how much they've gotten involved in their movies i mean you know between rogue one and the han solo movie and stuff like that we see that lucasfilm is keeping a very close eye on what's going on with okay i mean like it's 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 very self-indulgent um and and like rogue one told a story and like i i enjoy like rogue one is kind of a depressing story and i really enjoyed rogue one and it's a finite story, but I also left with that the way the film ends. You're like, holy fuck, holy fuck. I left this film being like, okay. I mean, like, I was like, um, you know, I mean, like, it was a completely different feeling going on there. And then that, like, extra scene at the end of the film, not needed. It's heavy-handed. We already heard well, yeah, five, heavy-handed that, we, yeah. we learned five other five other times that, like, you know, the, the spark is the rebellion and that's what's going to do it and blah, blah, blah. Like, you didn't have to visually, like, tell us that because we already heard it, like, five other times. I mean, like, that's somebody, I'm sure somebody came in there and said that. You know, it was like, hey, dude, I think you need to kind of cut that final scene. Like, you know, I mean, it, it's, again, it's, it's, it's just weird. It's just weird. It's, it's, um, I've never, like, even the prequels, like, I got, there was stuff where I was like, you know, even as bad as they were, I was still like, oh, Yoda did his shit. That was pretty cool. And then, like, the Darth Maul fight. And, like, you're, there was always some spark of excitement towards the next one. You know, Force Awakens had that spark. Like, our big one. We were like, holy fuck. I don't really know it. I mean, like, there's Luke. You had that whole Luke scene at the end. I mean, like, it's, you know, you're always like, oh, my God. And this one, you're just like, okay. Damn it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's. Yeah. So, that's where I am with it. I, you know, and honestly, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about it based on all the conversations we've had and the disagreements we've had on different kinds of comic books and stuff that seems totally on par 
for you and the kind of stories that you enjoy and that you gravitate towards. And we've had this conversation with comics and stuff like that. So I totally get that and I respect that. And I totally, like I said, you're entitled to your own opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. I, To me, I like darker storytellings. I like weirder stories. I like taking something familiar and making it feel unfamiliar. So this was a great Star Wars movie to me. And But I do think, as we said in the beginning, that I, I is the first thing I thought when I left the movie theater. I was like, I need to see it again. Like, right. I really can't make a full judgment on this until I see it again. No, this is going to be the most talked about Star Wars film in a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what you just said made me think that this is the Dan Slott Star Wars film. No, don't you dare, <laughs> sir. <laughs> don't ruin this for me. And, I mean, that's the thing. Is it, like You say, like, you know, you like the darker, you like the this. And, like, I loved Rogue One. Like, I, I really enjoyed Rogue One. And I was I was cheering on to the end. I was like, come on, you can make it. We can get off this planet. Come on. Oh, damn it. <laughs> we did it. But, like, I still enjoyed that film and, and that storytelling and that grit. And I didn't feel, like, I just remember coming out of Rogue One and being like, oh, my God, the texture and all those uniforms and all the feel and everything like that. I don't remember thinking that in this film. Like, in the same thing with, like, you know, Force Awakens. Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, what what is it, what was missing cinematically in this film or what was added to it that was different or, you know, was it all the CGI animals or the other stuff? Like, and that's what the prequel, I call prequel-itis, kicks in is, like, Lucas was like, oh, I want to have, like, this cute animal show up now and I want this animal to show up. Like, they don't add to the story, um, but it's, you know, but it's, oh, it's just showing a little bits and pieces of the universe. And Force Awakens has that because, like, BB-8's, like, walking down the road in the sand and, like, a little monster pops up over here. And it's like, okay. But, like, hey, I guess it's, I guess those CGI cats had a had a purpose. Um, I'm just trying to think of what else was in there. I mean, like, the Porgs. Like, what was the point of the Porgs? You they were know. not as intrusive, though, as I think everyone expected them to be. Right. Um, I, I just, again, it was just, yeah, the, the Chewbacca, I mean, like, I thought it was funny, but the Chewbacca barbecue scene, like, that has, that doesn't need to be in the film. But you're cutting out, like, all these little things. Like, yeah, no, it didn't. But these are all things that added personality to it. Yeah, but like, it also, you- it also adds weight and time. And I'm trying to think if a, if a, if a quicker film would have imp- it would have you know um, improved the pace a little bit. So I'm trying to think it, of these it little. It would have, but I feel like you're cutting out you in your rewrites right now are cutting out things that would have taken away from the heart of the film and the personality of the film, and would have made it you know more boring and just more straight to the point. And then people would have been complaining that it wasn't it didn't have enough you know fun heart personality stuff. There's like that. two like, hours I- to put heart. And yeah, you mean the extra, I'm trying to think of the extra 32 minutes of like, what could I have done to like put stuff in? And like, I feel like that barbecue scene would have been an awesome, like extra, you know, on a DVD, you know, it's like, oh, that's how it happened or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just critically analyzing the film and trying to figure out where, where the missteps were in it. Do it. Say it. Come to the dark side. Okay, good for you. <laughs> I got two. I got two in this week, but both of them you goaded me into. 
Oh man. Um, I gave this like a three point five out of all my. I gave it a four. I, I gave it a four point three. Yeah. I mean, like it's. I mean, a, like an average movie for me is is four, and, and and this is just there's some things in it where I'm just like, ah, oh. and and since we're not spoiling, there are things that like just really irk me that I can't talk about right now. Yeah, and maybe and maybe we can talk about this later after the movie's been in theaters for a little while. We might be able to revisit it. Maybe if you or me see it a second time, we could revisit it. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure you know there'll be plenty of thought pieces and spoiler reviews coming coming at us in in the next week or so. For me, if I'm if just to put it in general scale, I I put this movie above Force Awakens, obviously above the prequels. I enjoyed it more than Rogue One, and I, I need to see it again. It's really hard for me to say this, but just my hot take reaction off of it is I'm putting it above Return of the Jedi, which to me has major pacing problems, worse than this movie does. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, for me, where do I put the ranking real quick? So everybody's got Empire, then we got New Hope, then I have Jedi, then I have uh, Rogue One, then I have Force Awakens, and then I have this, because the prequels just are the prequels. Right. So this is so you're, this is your lowest one before getting to the prequels. Yes. That's surprising. Well, yesterday, yesterday you told me you liked it better than Force Awakens, which obviously you're allowed to change your mind after thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, we were sitting when we were sitting there when the credits were rolling and we were talking. I don't know. That must have been the one part. Where, I mean, like there are definitely some super squeal moments in this film. Like I really love when they how they visually display the no! and that's I'm being cryptic so that you don't understand what I'm talking about but I want Anthony to know what I'm talking about I know exactly what you're talking about and, I, and I'm trying not to say anything because I really don't want like that that is something that you just I'm not even you need to it. see on screen like it's something even, you need to see on screen it. like it's just, not not even addressing it like not even addressing it like but yeah there like, yeah there's there's like five or six like visually amazing moments in this film that are just like ah so but yeah no it's it's in it's in minus the prequels it's sitting in in last place for me i mean well not last place i mean like the ewok movies are below those so (laughs) right okay fair (laughs) fair um all right, well, like I said, if, if 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 you see it again, if I see it again, like we'll 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 revisit this because it definitely, and that's also the one thing that I've heard from a number of critics when the embargo lifted and all the reviews were coming out. Like almost every review I read and watched said, like, need to see it again, need to see it again, need to see it again. Yeah, no, you definitely need to see it again. And if we say why you need to see it again, it'll ruin the film for you. So we can't talk about it. So I think Anthony, we just need to stop talking, and I'll talk to you next week. Have a great one. Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host Anthony is also on Twitter at the underscore great underscore ace. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. If you have a chance, we'd greatly appreciate a review of our show on Apple Podcasts. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? There are so many people that made the 24th episode of the comic show on Monkey's Friend Robots a success. Go check out our friends at Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. Special shout out to my co-host, Anthony Composto. May the force be with you. 
Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey's Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey? Are you a robot? To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkey's Fighting Robots.